Oh, darling, look over there. I think we might have a new customer. Look at him. Oh, he's coming out the water. Hello, sailor. Ahoy there. Ahoy there, sailor. Welcome aboard. Where have you come from, darling? Oh, my ship is miled off. Miled off what? The reef. Oh. Well, you got no dock here. I've had to swim in. Oh, yes, darling, yes. But I've been searching the islands for years looking for this famed bar and the famed cocktail you serve here. Oh, darling, yes. Well, welcome in. You see, the reason why we don't have a dock is so that we can get lovely, gorgeous men like you all wet and glistening when you arrive. It is a bit empty. Who was that you were talking to when what? I came in? Well, it's not empty, darling. There's Wilbur here. Look, that's just a roll of gaffer tape. Really? Oh, so it is. Well, you are here now, darling. It's not quite what I was imagining. Oh, really? What were you imagining? I don't know, something a bit more bar-like. Oh, oh, this? Oh, don't pay no attention to this. I have a drink that will wet your lips. Hmm, it doesn't taste like I was imagining it. This is a painkiller, isn't it? No, darling, this is the paint stripper. Is this not the Soggy Dollar Bar? Nah, mate. Soggy Dollar Bar's down the road. Oh, well. I'm here now. That's my boy. Hi, my name's Paul. My name is Rhys. And you're listening to... No Gaddish! Hi, Paul. How you doing? <laughs> I'm okay, thank Are you. <laughs> Do you know what was really funny? When I first got into a relationship with Josh... He was surprised to how many different types of gaffer tape I owned. <laughs> I had like all, I had a whole range of gaffer tape and I love gaffer tape. It's amazing. I think it just has so many practical applications. Um. <laughs> Let's leave it there. <laughs> Let's leave it there. So Paul, what are we drinking this week? We are drinking painkillers. Ooh, painkillers. One of the most famous cocktails ever but I don't think it's that great a cocktail. And lots of people agree with me. Although it's really famous, there are plenty of people out there with their improved painkiller recipes. Oh, okay. Have you ever had a painkiller? I've never had one, no, but I know of it. I, I, you, it's yeah. a kind of one that you know of, even if you haven't had it. Okay, so I've made you the classic painkiller. To be honest, like, I'm not a big fan of cocktails in bars that are called things like the painkiller. There's a lot of cocktails out there with like these kind of very frat boy esque names, mm, okay. and and I'm just like, mm, I just think, oh, is that just going to be a bit rubbish? Like a painkiller, like doesn't sound very appealing, does it? It's a seventies cocktail. I think the name's quite seventies. There's something about the seventies that I really love is when the seventies goes through a strange, like I think it's kind of mid seventies towards the eighties, and men look so awkward. Because, like, everything's <laughs> really tight and it just doesn't yeah. fit. Yeah, yeah. But in some ways, as a gay guy, it's, that's incredibly hot. Okay. <laughs> there's, a, there's a sort of, like, geeky awkwardness about them all. Even yeah. even the jocks look a bit awkward. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I totally get where you're coming from. Yeah. I'm picturing men in little tight shorts now. Well, little white shorts and, and long socks. You can tell why the gays loved it. <laughs> <laughs> 
So there's a lot to get into with this cocktail. Okay. We're going to get into the story behind it, and boy, Ooh. is there a story. Oh, you know I love a good story. Going to get into that later. Let's first, let's just deal with the drink itself. Okay. So it's easy to remember because it's got a 4 one, one ratio. Four ounces of pineapple juice, one ounce of coconut cream, one ounce of orange juice, and then either two, three, or four ounces of rum. And not just any rum, it has to be Pusser's rum. You have to use Pusser's rum in a painkiller if you want to call it a painkiller. You have to use Pusser's rum. Well, Pusser <laughs> is Navy slang for a purser. What's a purser? A purser is what they now call a logistics officer. Oh, right. So he's the guy on a ship who's in charge of all the rations and the stores. Oh. He used to be called a purser. Very important slang. person to, to get on side. Exactly. Particularly in terms of the Navy ration of rum which used to exist. I wonder if We're going to get into all that later. Mm, I wonder if he had a lot of naughty favours on the ship. It does make you wonder, doesn't it? It's the job I'd want. So pussers <laughs> call themselves pussers after the slang for a purser and because they pussers rum is made to the Old Navy recipe. Right. We're going to come back to that later. Give me your verdict on the classic painkiller. So it's got a lovely mouthfeel and it's very refreshing and it's kind of smooth. It's very smooth. Mm. And you go, hmm, this is nice. But then there's a strange, like, hogo. And if you've listened to previous episode uh, where we talk about hogo, it kind of means sort of something that you can't quite distinguish if you like or if you well, dislike. that's the way you use it. I thought that was the way well, No, it it's like, remember, hogo comes from that French. It means kind of slightly rotten. Because cause uh, ho hogo means um, taste. High taste. High taste, Like yeah. rank, a bit rank, a bit rotten. Right. Gamey. Because, funnily enough, I only made the connection later, but the gallery I worked in worked for in Berlin, hmm. uh, the French gallery, called Bongu. Okay. And that means uh, good taste. So, Hogo and Bongu are spelt the same. Oh, G-A-U-T. Mm. Bongo. Mm. So it'd be bongo, not goo. So it, no, it, it's French, it's, isn't it? It's bongo. French. Yeah. So it's it's um, spelt like bongal, but yeah. with, with a with an accent. But is it pronounced bongo or bongu? Well, bongu, bongo. <laughs> but everyone, when uh, they would all be like, "Oh, people," and then and then they were they sort of said at the uh, they were like, "Everyone thinks it's bongal, like it's a sort of stoner right. thing." But they were like, "No, it's good taste. It means good taste." Right. And the whole irony of that is that their gallery sold some really really bad taste very like fetishy very like oh. very risky artists okay that you know lots of challenging subjects and it was an amazing place to work for incredible incredible people so but um, back to the painkiller basically you're saying there's something a bit rank yeah about it. But there's something a bit rank about it like yeah. i couldn't quite distinguish it and it kind of tasted a, a little bit like sick you know when you've thrown up Ryan. And then you have that aftertaste of sick in your mouth. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Is it is it a mixture of bile? Is it bile? Is that what it tasted a bit like bile in it? Ah. Didn't we cover this in in what episode was it? It's the the Kingston Sound System episode where we're yeah. talking about Hogo. Yeah. And we're talking about esters. Yeah, I wonder if it's the same esters as bile. Well, pineapple. Pineapple. Pineapple and bile share an ester. Oh, so mixed in with whatever other things in there, it, it, it brings out it's that acti bile. It's activating the bile wow. thing. God, listeners, you the wouldn't think ester. that, that this, this podcast is so scientific. Wow. It's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> we are like linking the dots here. <laughs> wow. Oh, my God. Do you know what, listeners? I'm actually learning shit on this. Not only am I getting drunk and I'm being stupid, but I'm actually learning shit. 
This is amazing. That's what we're all about. So that's your verdict. It's, yeah. it's a bit rank, and there's scientific evidence for why the pi- yeah. why the painkiller is a bit rank. Yeah, yeah, but but it kind of starts nice and sort of ends badly. It's like a really bad hookup. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like you go, oh, he's he's rather nice, and you go, you get into it, and then it sort of ends with a sour note, and you both leave and go. I don't think this is working for me. That's exactly how I felt drinking. <laughs> yeah, you? I I wonder if it was made as a hangover cure, and because they've been throwing up so much, they didn't notice <laughs> the sort of sickly taste to it because at the start of that would be quite nice for a hangover for me yeah. if I was a bit hungover yeah. something sweet I, I, when I'm hungover I like something sweet because it kicks me out into it it's definitely savable other people's versions I thought were a bit too complicated right and I tried to steer away from from that I tried to make it as good as possible, as simply as possible. You're yeah. like the cocktail surgeon. Do you know what I mean? You're like Dr. Cocktail. I like it. Like like someone phones you up and they're like, shit, we, this cocktail's failing and we need a stat. We need Paul. Get Paul in. Breaking it down, like thinking about when I was drinking it and going, oh, what, what is, why does this not work? I think the problem is the pineapple juice. I think pineapple juice works well in cocktails when there's some other really nice flavours going on. But the 411 ratio in this, it's drowned in pineapple juice. There's too much of it. And pineapple juice, it's not particularly sour. Right. And it's not particularly sweet either. It's right. a bit wishy-washy. And I think the painkiller in that 411 ratio, it's just wishy-washy. Oh, uh, so the ratio is too, like, unbalanced. I, right. think, I think so. Because, like, in, you can't really taste two ounces of rum in there. No, I, do, I didn't think there was two ounces in there. Yeah, you can't really taste the rum. It, it all just melds in a not very satisfying way. Mm. I kind of assumed the painkiller would be really heavy, like a zombie. Oh, okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, Because it's yeah. like painkiller. Like, makes me think of, like, WWF wrestling. Do you know what I mean? I <laughs> imagine, like... Some... It does sound like the name of a wrestler, actually. It does, doesn't it? The yeah. painkiller. Yeah. How would the painkiller talk? The painkiller. <laughs> like a drawn to the Irish. <laughs> I am the painkiller. Oh, no, no, no. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Skipping around them. Oh, hori, hori, hori. You know, not saying that's an Irish accent, but it's kind of just a bit... <laughs> I can well, imagine I, I, that. That's interesting. You're, you're going... <laughs> you're his brand manager. And you're going, I think you should go for the jaunty leprechaun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but a sexy leprechaun <laughs> in little green pants, little like singlet with like, oh, the painkiller. Like, um, I don't know what accent that is, by the Funny way. Funny enough, folks. I was listening to um, William Shatner's version of Mr. Tambourine Man. Today, oh, yeah. And he sings that in an Irish, with a kind of Irish accent. I say right. sing. Oh, because he, he does it in his William Shatner. It's like when um, but my favourite one is, is, is Common People, where he's like, I want to sleep with common yeah. people. I want to do whatever common people do. Well, that's when he knows he's being a ham. But at the time he did this, which was like in the late 60s. Oh, really? I don't think he... No, I think it's quite earnest. Mm. And that's why it's so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the end of Mr. Tambourine Man, yeah. he literally is just screaming, Mr. Tambourine Man! And that's it. That's how the song ends. <laughs> I love it. I think William Shatner was bonkers. Shall I make the decent painkiller? Yeah. Okay. Okay, so I've made you an improved painkiller. Oh, I like it. Do you? 
Yeah, it's a much, much nicer drink. Oh, cool. Yeah, okay. I really like it. Like, I the first sip, I was a bit like, mm, is this a little bit? Has it still got that flavour to it? But but there's kind of interesting things that you've... What have you done to this, then, that's different from the last? So, I wanted to keep the carrots of a painkiller. Right. So, you've got pineapple, orange juice, coconut, and rum. Yeah. But I just wanted to amp them up and rebalance it so you could taste those elements. Oh, okay. So, I've cut back on the pineapple juice... Used a bit of pineapple rum. Right. Added a little Ooh, bit of... pineapple rum. Little bit of pineapple Ooh. rum. But a, like a good one. Right. So it's not too sweet. Well, some, what's, which one is it? Um, I'm using Lang's. Lang's. Yeah, which is a really good one, actually. It's, right. And it's not a very sweet one. Right. Little bit of tiny bit, like a dash of lime juice. Ah. Just to get that sharpness from the citrus. Yes, because actually I think sometimes lime juice, uh, uh, pineapple juice can be a bit chalky. Mm. And actually, the lime kind of just sharpens it just up. Just sharpens bit. it up a little yeah. bit. Yeah, a little bit like a dash of curacao to mm. get a little bit more orange in there. Ooh, coconut cream I've left alone. Right, and that's it. Still got pasta's rum in it. Still got the character of a painkiller. Yeah, there's something I've just else. Amped, just amped up those flavours. Oh, there's um. Oh, you put a cinnamon stick in and it. And there's cinnamon. Yeah, I've tickified it a bit. Oh, you've tickified. Because in one of the original stories, what's, what's tickified. Tikified it. <laughs> you say tickified, and I say tikified. You say tikified. I say tikified. Because <laughs> one of the original recipes I came across, someone who should know what was in the very original painkiller mentioned cinnamon. Mm. And that's not in the pusser's recipe, and I've never seen cinnamon mentioned. Right. But someone who actually ran the bar... Oh, wow. Right. ...says in the original recipe there was cinnamon. This cocktail, I could imagine drinking this on the beach, or or maybe, oh no, even better, drinking it on a yacht. But I've never been... <laughs> I, I don't really go on a yacht. And I definitely... I don't really go on the beach. We live by the sea. I can so picture you on a yacht, though. Oh, what, with, with like a, with little shorts and little a captain little cap? Hat. Little captain hat. Do you know, I, on one of my first placements as a psychiatric nurse, yeah. I worked on this back ward in this old Victorian hospital. Right. And the manager of that ward, every day he wore a captain's hat. Oh, really? He was insane. Who wears a captain's hat in a psychiatric hospital? I love it. When you're staff. I, I would. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Any excuse. I mean, the thing is... Sorry, I went off on an Atlantic. No, I love you, it. I love you've it. Ne- you've never been on a yacht. You've never been in the sea. I've never been in the sea here either. I've, I've never been in the sea. 15 years I've been here and I've never been in the sea. I just I just look at people going in and I'm just like, why would you go in there? Why would you go in there? I mean... It's freezing. Yeah, and but there's all the sharks, man. <laughs> sharks? Fucking tons of sharks, yeah. Have you not seen all the stories about great white sharks off the coast of Britain? And they're getting closer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're like loads of stories. They're getting closer. Hammerheads, <laughs> tiger sharks. But what? the thing is, no, not tiger sharks. The thing about great whites is they're warm blooded, you see, so they can go in colder waters. Okay. And because of um, the jet streams and because of global warming, right. they're getting closer and closer. But every time you, I read an article about it, it kind of seems like it's like they're off the coast of the bloody Isle of Wight. <laughs> but they're still like several hundred miles out. Oh, right. I mean? Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> nothing quite. To worry about just yeah, yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Few. I mean, okay. I mean, they they thought they saw uh, like a great white in uh, Plymouth Harbour. What? Or Portsmouth Harbour? <laughs> but but it was actually, I think it was like the the penis of a dolphin. 
<laughs> or a porpoise or something. Yeah. <laughs> like some sort of randy porpoise. It wasn't just a couple of kids with a cardboard fin. <laughs> but yeah, it was like it was like or the penis of a whale or something. And um wow. someone had snapped it and <laughs> and they were like, Oh my god, a shark! But it was actually just a horny whale. <laughs> Do you mean photographed it? Photograph, yeah, they I photographed it. I thought you meant someone it. has snapped a whale's penis. <laughs> oh, snapped it. Oh, God. Like, how, right. Yeah, a bit cruel. Okay. A bit sure. over the top, isn't it? Fucking <laughs> <laughs> yeah. get that shark snapping his penis. Fucking. <laughs> that would be a twist on Jaws, <laughs> wouldn't it? Him. <laughs> Can you imagine? Come to Plymouth. <laughs> Come to Plymouth. Yeah, and in Jaws as well. Like, instead of blowing it up, they just snap its penis. No wonder he wanted revenge. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, he comes back in the fourth one. <laughs> <laughs> with a really bruised ego. <laughs> Should we get into the story behind the painkiller? Oh, yeah, yeah, let's get into it, yeah. Okay. So the painkiller was created 1970-71 yeah. at a place called the Soggy Dollar Bar, which is in White Bay, which is on the island of Jost Van Dyke in the Virgin Islands. The Soggy Dollar Bar is called the Soggy Dollar Bar. Any guesses why? Ooh, I get to guess. Is it because they... Soggy Dollar? Is it because they only... Uh, pay with wet money yes oh why yeah. why because at the time when it was built there's no it's a beach bar there's no road leading to it there's not even a dock on the bay right so the only way to get to the bar is to jump off your ship and swim to it oh no way and so all around the bar they would have like a clothesline and they would peg customers wet dollars oh no way and that's why it's called the soggy dollar bar god that's amazing that's so like like Pirates of the Caribbean, isn't it? Yeah. And Jost van Dyke, he was a pirate. Oh, he's a pirate? He was a Dutch pirate. Oh, no way. Wow. Well, some people could say he's a pirate. Let's just say he's a pirate. It does paint this ideal, doesn't it? This this idyllic version of the soggy dollar bar. I like it. I like I like the sort of the mystique of it, though. Yeah. You know, yeah, you have the, to swim to it. I love that. Yeah, it's brilliant, isn't it? This you little know. little rum shack on this white beach. Oh, you swim up to it. What does the person do all day there, though? Well, now I they're making... many people now, would swim to the bar. Now they're just making painkillers all day and night. Well, why? Because if you look at what that bay is like now, yeah. the entire, the water area of it is just filled with boats. Oh, really? Yeah. Because it's now on like the tourist oh, trail. Oh, you've got a picture of it there, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah God, yeah. yeah, yeah. It looks like a drive-in movie. Yeah, it does. Boats, there's there's so it? many boats in there. And, and now they've got like little dinghies and inflatables. And oh, yeah. No one's getting their dollars wet anymore. No. Too but, many people on this planet, man. And if you go there now, you know, like, like I said, the bay is full of yachts and boats the beach is packed and you can watch them making painkillers and they've literally got a row of branded plastic cups and they're just pouring a bottle of rum across them it's not the ideal that you might think it is yeah interesting interesting do you know what that really reminds me of the film the beach Oh, you know, okay. with Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, yeah. I loved the book of that, Alex oh, Garland. Oh, did you? Yeah. I, I've never I, read it. I loved the book of that. I thought the book was better, but... I did Most watch, people I, do, don't Yeah, they? but I watched the film again, and it's, yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's the story, isn't it? The thing is, it's the story. Yeah. Sorry, I've interrupted. Yeah, yeah, no, but it's fine, because it's like, you know, it's very much of its time, wasn't it, that film? You know, because a lot of it's about Thailand, isn't it? And, and there was a, mm. there's been a big influx, hasn't there, of Westerners, particularly in the early 2000s, of going to Thailand for their kind of new age experience to kind yeah. of, you know, soak up the culture. And then 
when he gets there, doesn't he? Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character, you know, he just sees uh, a load of like American tourists and Western tourists getting really messed up and throwing up everywhere. And it's like, this isn't um, traveling. This isn't experiencing anything new. And then they swim, don't they, to the island. And then what they're trying to do in that whole film is protect the island, aren't they? Yeah. Protect their little community uh, from what has happened here with all the boats coming in. Because that's the hard thing with, with the world now. We're so overpopulated, aren't we? That we all want to try and find a little seclusion or paradise and just keep it to ourselves and our friends yeah. before a massive McDonald's is planted there and people are making painkillers and and it's branded and it's trademarked you just want to you just want to get away from it all don't you just want to get away from all of that corporate machine it's interesting because the 1970s soggy dollar bar that's that's my dream right some little secluded rum shack on a perfectly white beach yeah yeah yeah. hardly anyone can get to it yeah yeah. Yeah. But obviously the the owners now are like, no, this is a money machine. Well, Let, the, let's milk yeah. it. Two stories. Okay. So there's a guy called Jerry O'Connell, and he was the owner of the Soggy Dollar Bar, at least in 2017, which, which is when, where I found this bit from. Right. So Jerry O'Connell says that the painkiller was created in 1971 by George and Marie Mirick who were the owners of the Soggy Dollar Bar at that time. Right. And he's the one that says it was originally made with US Virgin Islands Cruzan Dark Rum. So it wasn't made with pusses because pusses didn't exist at that time. Oh, I see. Okay. And he's the one who also says it had cinnamon in it. Oh. But the more famous story... No, I don't trust it. ...is the one put out by pusses. No, corporate hell. Don't like it. Yeah. So i tell you their story. Yeah. So I'm going to add in some bits of detail into this story that I've found out through research. Right. And it does change things a little bit. Right. Okay. So the the Passer's story, and mm. this is the more famous version, is that the original painkiller was created in 1970 by a British bartender called Daphne Henderson. Right. And she was working at the Soggy Dollar Bar. Right. Now, this is where Charles Tobias comes in. Ooh. So Charles Tobias... Yeah. was a Vietnam vet and an ex-Marine fighter pilot. Yeah. And after the war, after the Vietnam War, he, he had a degree in engineering and he developed a system to beat the missiles that communist countries were using at that time. Right. And he made a company and made a bit of a fortune developing this anti-missile system. Right. So by 1970, he'd made his money, bought a yacht, went sailing with some of his buddies. Right. And another little detail that he doesn't, that this isn't on the Pusser's stuff. This is, I found an interview with him on Australian television. Right. At some point when he's sailing, he bumps into a famous magician called John Calvert. And from Jordan Calvert, he inherits a cheetah called Fifi. Right. And a chimpanzee called Tommy. Right. And they also join his yacht crew. But kind of like, there's something, something sounds very sort of, uh, I don't know, just something like very erotic about all of that. It's got that 70s thing we were talking about there. Men in tight shorts. Yes. Yeah, on a yeah. yacht, sailing around the world. They've all got kind of like long hair. They're quite groovy. Yeah. And, the- and there's a cheetah and there's a monkey running around as well. I just think like like cheetahs are very sexy animals, aren't they? I guess the so. The chimpanzee maybe not so much. 
<laughs> not known for their sex. Not, not really, but Cheetah's Cheetah very is. sexy. Because Chitara um, from Thundercats. Right. I mean, she almost made me straight. Don't know if I like the name Fifi, though. It's a bit like Fifi. Anyway. <laughs> so that's Charles Tobias. Yeah. Okay. Oh, right. That's just him. It's not even the story. Jumping back into the story. Yeah. He encounters the Soggy Dollar Bar. So he gets to know Daphne, who's right. working at the Soggy Dollar Bar, and he loves this drink that they make called the Painkiller. Then he pesters Daphne to give him the recipe. She won't give him the recipe. And he goes off to try and make it himself. And eventually he creates a version that he thinks is pretty close, if not better. Right. He, he makes his improved painkiller. Right, right. And so he goes to the bar and he says, I've got it. I've worked it out. And so he makes his version. She doesn't think it's as good. Right. So he says, well, let's see what the customers say. Right. So they make his version and they make Daphne's version. And everyone prefers Charles's version. Oh, I don't like him. <laughs> why, why I mean, that's like so him? rude to like go like, hey, turn up at the bar and be like, I can make your drink better. And then, and then what? He just takes over the bar. Well, the official version is... That they, they put a $100 bet on this. Right. And so he wins the bet, and then he uses the $100 to buy everyone in the bar painkillers. Right. Jump forward nine years, he meets a guy who happens to be able to give him a gallon of British Navy rum, which doesn't exist anymore because they stopped making it in 1970. Him and his crew do this gallon over a space of a week. And he's going, oh, this is an amazing rum. You know, he's tried rum. He's sailed all over. He's tried rums from everywhere. He goes, this is a great rum. I can't believe you can't get this anymore. But he's got a contact in the British Navy. And so he sets, his mate sets him up a meeting and he's like, can I get the recipe? And somehow they do a deal where the British Navy gives Charles Tobias the recipe for their Navy rum. He then starts selling it as pusses. At the same time, he trademarks the painkiller. He takes that drink as his own and he trademarks the name and says, you can't make a painkiller now unless it's made with pusses rum. That, right. That's his way to give his rum brand value. Right. So he's often made as the villain in this story. Right. Like one of the particularly shit things they did with this whole trademark thing. Right. In the 2000s, a bar in New York tried to open. Well, they did open and they were called Painkiller. Okay. And they sold painkillers. And Pusses sent them a cease and desist letter. Oh, we talked about this last time, didn't we? Like a so few the, times ago, yeah. And so the bar had to back down and had to change its name, and they changed it to PKNY, Painkiller New York. But that got out, and so there was a massive boycott of Pusses Rum, because everyone oh, thought that was such a horrible thing yeah, to do. Yeah, yeah, such a dick move, yeah. One thing that never gets mentioned is that his deal to get the Navy Rum recipe, he didn't just want it for nothing. And so the majority of the profits from Pusses Rum go to a Navy fund called the Top Funds. Oh, like a veteran It's fund. like a charity, yeah. Right, Yeah, right. so the majority of profits from Pusses Rum go to a Navy charity. Right, right. And I think that's quite an important detail. Yeah, that is, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And for that, and for that reason, he was given an MBE. Right. So he became Charles Tobias MBE. And that was for all the money that he had given to the Navy charity. Interesting. I tried and I could find no other mention of this Daphne Henderson person. Right. 
Right. And it's interesting where he says she created the drink. Right. But this owner of the bar says, oh, no, it was George and Mary Merrick. They, right. They invented the painkiller. Who knows who invented it? So it was definitely comes from the Soggy Dollar Bar. And it was a dick move to patent, to trademark something that you didn't invent and say you can only make it now if my ingredient is in it. Yeah, that's not cool. But everything else is... He sounds like quite a decent bloke otherwise. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, this is the thing about life, though, isn't it? And about characters and being a real human being is that we are complicated as people. Like, we all like to grow up with the clear villain and the heroes and villains and everything. But the the truth of life is that's very rare. Like, we are conflicted as people and we are complicated. You know, I've always preferred anti-heroes. Yeah. And I've always preferred villains with a compelling backstory. Because we're never just one or the other, are we? I kind of prefer... I I feel like the first story's somehow more legit. I don't know why. The, I don't know. The second story has a lot of crazy kind of credence to it. The whole... You know, the fact that there's footage of him with Fifi. I don't know. I, He's not a fabulist. I think, yeah. you're like, that's what came across in that interview. He didn't come across as a guy who told tall tales. It was like, I was a Marine. I was a fighter pilot. I sailed around the world with a cheetah, and a, I did that stuff. It's a bit like um, Don the Beachcomber, isn't it? Going around the world, uh, being a Navy man, being a merchant merchant man. Mm. I kind of feel like the second one's more credible, just because it's just the arsehole of the world. Do you know, just, just like, that's how the world works. Whoever came up with it, whether it was Daphne or the couple who owned the bar, he still stole it. Yeah. He still trademarked something that wasn't his. Yes. And that's why I think it's real. Yeah. Because I think right. that's just what happens in the world. Yeah, interesting. I think it's the second story. Yeah. Yeah. I can't even remember the first story. <laughs> So I'm going to go with the second story. Do you know what? You'll probably listen back to this and you'll be like, why did they like, why did we go into such detail (laughs) trying to work it out? (laughs) Just get on with the show. Money. Oh, money. We just want more of it, don't we? Because money is security. Mm. Security and your dreams and your, what you can do and... All of that sort of stuff. Whereas actually, the reality is what you're sort of saying is actually if you take the money element out of it, then you can find your yeah. dream. But then, you know, is the pirate going to come, the corporate pirate, and just take all of that away from you? Well, I was thinking, yeah, I was thinking something like that. You know, I was thinking about Putin. Right. And, and just in that financial sense of the amount of wealth that he has. Mm-hmm. He's just utterly fucking miserable, isn't he? But I think it's sort of funny, isn't it, with wealth? I'm trying to sort of get my head into the space of these people because I think you must get to a sort of level with wealth where, so for like, you know, the everyday person like me and you and, you know, a lot of the people listening here and, you know, we are all in in a reality where a bit more money would be amazing, but then you get a bit more money. Like people who win the lottery, Hmm. Like, something I found really fascinating about the lottery is that most people become bankrupt within five years. Within within the same amount of time, most people become bankrupt, no matter if they've won 200 million or 5 million. Really? There is a kind of trajectory, because if they haven't made a plan, they run out of money because they spend more mm. and they buy more, but they don't develop the infrastructure to support it. Um, whereas the people who have kept the money and uh, profited from it um, normally have made a plan, not spent any of the money for a year and been very, very clever with it. 
Now, to go back into what you're saying about Putin and stuff, you know, that echelon is that you must get to a certain point where you have so much money that that translates into power. And yeah. then you can yeah. never have enough power. If you are mm. power hungry, yeah. can you imagine like, oh, it, oh, and then you, and then millions turn into billions, but then billions turn into trillions. And mm. do you know what I mean? It's just never enough, is it? You know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's kind of, I kind of find it quite a, a, a fascinating kind of existential kind of thing to think about. And actually, you know, is the poor man, is the, is the, not the poor man, but is the humble man, is the humble person actually much happier? And I think so. I think yeah. so. Yeah, yeah. Being content with the small thing in life. I saw a great play with my housemate in. I can't remember what it was called, but was one of the, his monologues at the end is that he's dead and he's kind of looking back at his life. And he says, basically, the things in life which are the most important are like Cadbury's cream eggs, you know, the feel of a new baby's head, the, the, <laughs> the sort of, you know, fresh slippers, okay. you know, fresh bed sheets. Straight out of the laundry. Small pleasures. Small pleasures. See, that's what I think cocktails are. Small pleasures. Small pleasures. Yeah. Is that going to be your bar? Paul Small, small pleasures. pleasures. That would be quite a nice name for a bar, wouldn't it? Paul, not, maybe not Paul Small Pleasures. No, maybe not. <laughs> They're escalating. The <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I've got a whole list I'm collecting from like, my little favourite bar names. I've got I quite like that. Small Pleasures Bar. I really like that as a cocktail bar name. Small Pleasures. I'm linking back to where you're talking about the, sort of like the wealth and stuff. Yeah. British Virgin Islands, where Joss Van Dyke Island is, where the Soggy Dollar Bar is. Basically, the British Virgin Islands is the world's tax haven. Right. That's the place that's named in the Panama Papers. Over 45% of the world's offshore companies are based in the British Virgin Islands. Wow, God. So the average income in the British Virgin Islands, mm. 42000 a year. Right. The average income of a worker is 2,000. God, there's such a small population as well. And the average and the average worker's on such a... God, it's crazy, isn't it? It's crazy. You know, it's sort of, yeah... I mean, I could wax lyrical for ages about all of that sort of stuff, you know. Yeah. But I won't. No, I'll leave it there. Okay. Shall I tell you a little bit about the Navy rum? Yes, let's talk about the Navy. Navy rum. In the Navy. Who sang that? Is it the Pet Shop Boys? It's Village People. Oh, the Village People. Oh, of course, yeah. I'm a terrible gay. <laughs> I've never seen the Rocky Horror Show. <laughs> I don't know who did it in the Navy. I was like, Pet Shop Boys? What do they do? You're the worst gay in the village. <laughs> I know, I am. I have so many gays around me, so many like gays that I know. Just like, you call yourself a gay? You call yourself a, like, you just don't know any like gay law, you know? So pusses now have this Navy rum recipe. Right. The history of it is quite interesting and it's pretty brief. So 1731 was when the British Navy introduced their official ration for sailors. Right. Now, bearing in mind at this time as well that a lot of the sailors in the British Navy were people who were press ganged into it. Right, right. They, they've, they're not people who signed up voluntarily. Right. So to placate these unhappy sailors, right. the Royal Navy introduced an official ration, eight pints of beer a day, Right, okay. Or half a pint of rum. Wow. A day. Wow. Yeah. Eight pints of beer. Yeah, so yeah. you could you could drink eight pints eight pints of beer a day. No wonder why everyone was so sort of mental. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like when you look back at those times, like you're just drunk all the time. <clears throat> How did anyone get anything done? Well they didn't. 
It was a huge problem. Drunkenness on board British ships was a massive oh, well, problem. What do we do with the drunken sailor? So, so you're drinking rum instead of water to keep yourself hydrated. Yeah. Oh my god. And its na- and its navy strength rum, which was fifty four and a half percent. Ah. So like a bottle of whiskey is normally like forty to forty five. Right. The reason navy rum was so strong was because if it spilt, it wouldn't it wouldn't make the gunpowder unusable. Oh god, that's interesting. Yes, because you can set fire. It's because it, of that. Because you can set fire to it. Yeah, because it's that level of proof. Wow, it'll burn, and so if it mixes with the gunpowder, you right. can still fire the gunpowder. That's amazing. God, that that is one of my most favourite facts that you've ever is that said. A new favourite fact. Oh, I love it. That's my that's my favourite fact for the episode. Every okay. episode, I'm going to have a favourite fact. Okay, that's your favourite. I one. love that. I love that, listeners. The whole point of this show is that you can take cocktail facts to your next cocktail party, and that's a co- that's one that you can remember, isn't it, quite easily? Yeah. And then someone can be like, hey, you know, do you like rum? You go, I like rum. Did you know that Navy rum? And then you can say that, and then everyone goes, wow! I can tell you a bit more to embellish that story as yeah, well. Yeah, go on. I'm all ears. So, because, it's a, because yeah. it caused so much drunkenness, right. there was a vice-admiral called Vice Admiral Edward Vernon, and his nickname was Old Grog. that sounds like my nickname and he was called old grog because he wore a coat of a material called grognum which which doesn't exist anymore which was like this really heavy thick material that was a combination of silk mohair and wool and he used to wear this heavy coat made of grognum and that's why they called him old grog right and he came up with the idea of diluting the rum right so they used to call this diluted rum right grog Oh, that's where grog comes from. That's where from. grog comes from. Oh, interesting. And to make that more palatable, because yeah. it was so watered down, you'd mix lime and sugar into it. Oh, and that's and why so they're called limeys. That's why they're called limeys. And grog became that name for rum mixed with lime and sugar as well. Oh. But originally it was just water and rums called grog or old grog. Also to drop in when we're talking about grog, yeah, that's where groggy also comes from. Groggy. Oh, because yeah. Because you've had too much grog. Right. So, so being you're groggy. Groggy in the morning. Oh, of course. That makes totally that sense, makes, doesn't it? It all makes sense. It now. all makes sense. So, so they started reducing the rum ration over the years. So yeah. by 1824, it was down to a, a mere quarter pint of rum a day. Right. By 1969, it was down to two and a half ounces. Right. But by that time, it was more just tradition. They're still, give, they're still giving it out. Right. Because also, a lot of people didn't drink it in one day they would save it up right of right. course you would right so eventually you could have a whole fucking jug of rum you've just right. saved it all right so that was so that ration of rum was called the top the navy top oh and in 1970 they decided to stop it and that day was called black top day Ooh. The day that they stopped the Navy rum. And so there was a little bit of it left, and I went online looking for it. You can buy bottles of black top. Oh, okay. Of, like, the last lot of Navy rum. Oh, really? Which is what Charles DeBias managed to get hold of. How much is that? It's a lot. How much? Like, hundreds for a bottle. More money than we have. Yeah. Yeah. But also, you don't need to worry, because now pussers have the recipe, and they're making it, and... When I've looked at sort of reviews on Amazon, you get old Navy guys going, this is pretty much what we used to drink in the Navy. Yeah. So I think it's the real deal. But is it nice? Well, we've just been drinking it in these cocktails. Yeah. Oh, I see. So this it's is... It's not like amazing. So this is grog. Grog rum. This is Navy rum. Navy rum. That's kind of... It's sort of funny, isn't it? Like the sort of authentic 
you know, it's authentic, authentic. Everyone wants the authenticness, don't they? They don't want the replicate. But it's like, it's so much cheaper. If the Navy rum uses the same recipe and the same ingredients, what's the fucking point? Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I, I suspect it tastes a little bit different, but probably like not massively different. It's that collecting thing again, isn't it? Because as soon as you open it, its value's gone. Yes. Because you can't sell it now. Yeah. So you can only drink it. So your point's totally right. It's like, if you're buying it to drink, what's the point? Like if you're not buying it to drink, then you're just buying it to hoard it and sell it. Because it's, it's then a piece of history, isn't it? You've got some of the last of that ingredient, that, that last bit of rum that was tradition in the Navy for centuries. You've got a bottle of that his, of history. Yeah. Yes. Which is yeah, yeah. quite cool. Yeah. But it's nothing to do with drinking. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But that's also why I like cocktails, like I've said before. I love it. Because <laughs> it's a bit of a history. Because you can take, you know, you can drink a Manhattan and it's like, well, this is pretty much what they were drinking 150 years ago. Yeah, it's interesting. It is interesting that. I, that, is, that is the one aspect that you have really brought to me that is so um, uniquely different to any cocktail experience I've ever had. And that is the sort of the fundamental thing that is very fascinating for me being on this show is that, um, you know, I get to sort of be taken through history whilst drinking it. It's a really mm. lovely sort of, I know, I like, we both love stories, don't we? We yeah. both love narrative and, 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 you know, the sort of thing of like the, you know, the truth is stranger than fiction as well is quite interesting, isn't it? Is it time for the quiz? Oh, yes, darling. I'm back. It's lovely to see you. Welcome to Who Wants to Be a Cocktail? On this episode, we are switching it up a little bit. We are moving away from artists and we are heading towards the silver screen. So don't think of an artist. Think of a film or a character. I think you should just also just say it's a cocktail named after blah blah. Because otherwise, if, if you've just tuned in, it's bonkers. <laughs> yeah. So yes, so this cocktail is named after a film. Well, actually, it's named after a character in a film. Okay. But to win, you have to either get the character or the film. I don't mind. Which. Okay. I'm easy, baby. So, are you ready for the cocktail? Yes, I'm ready. <laughs> Good. Right. One and a half ounce of Seagram's Seven Crown. Which is an American whiskey, am I right? It is American whiskey, okay. yes. Half an ounce of Kahlua. I love Kahlua. And Coca-Cola. And one splash of cream. Build over ice in a highball glass. And enjoy. Or maybe not. A, a whiskey and Coke with... Kahlua and cream. Yes. That's fucked up. Where have you found this cocktail? On the internet, darling. <laughs> of course. <laughs> on the World Wide Web. It's full of useful things. Yeah. Have you ever been on it? I've heard about it. Hmm, I've only just found it out, you see. <laughs> you see, I'm from the golden age. The golden age of cinema. We made our own entertainment back in those days. The things I could do with a feather boa. Right. Are you ready for the three clues? Okay, everybody. These three. are the three, three cryptic clues. Wow. Are you ready? Yes. Clue number one. Am I a man? Am I mad? Is yeah. there one or is there two? 
Am I dreaming with my feet in the air and my head on the ground? Have I been sleeping? Okay. I think you finally sat. I don't think you're reading clues anymore. I think this is just your brain coming out. Right. Cryptic clue number two. There are only three rules to my mayhem. Are you embodying all of them at this moment? (laughs) (laughs) I'm like Vishnu, uh, the other one, and... Cryptic clue. Number three. This is the last one. Can you get it? Can you get it, baby? Method of madness infused into soap. I'll battle my way to the top only to find my own demise and destruction. And that is it, darlings. The three clues. Can you guess who wants to be a cocktail? Do you remember when we first did this? Yeah. I think your performance was about 10% of what it is now. (laughs) It's like the Hunger Games. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's really funny. Like, after Princess Strider embodies me, I find it really hard to let her go. (laughs) And I'm sort of noticing, like, every now and again, I'll be in the supermarket and I'll sort of say to the cashier, like, oh, yes, darling, I'm doing fine. I mean, yeah, no, I'm doing all right, love. Yeah, great. I have noticed her slipping in more and more. Have you? Yeah. Ah, oh, interesting. Oh, my God. Oh, listeners, I hope you enjoyed my my two clues last week. I had a lot of fun with those. So, as we were doing the Ferrari cocktail, it is... What's Rush. The Rush! <laughs> I can remember it. Um, James Hunt and Nicky Lauder. James Hunt and Nicky Lauder. Oh, and the first clue was, see you next time, Hunt Cunt. As I leave you in my dust. <laughs> Do you see what I mean? <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah. yeah. As I leave you in my dust, this jerry rat has got nothing in the hunt. You're going to eat my rubber tyres as I light you on fire. Well, famously, Nicky Lauder crashed because of hunt and was set on fire. And then the next clue, so that was for Hunt, and the next clue was you mix the formula for success and became the number one. So Formula One, and obviously Nicky Lauda was famous for uh, being very, very technically minded with his cars and getting um, getting the weight down and, and improving the cars. And then on your Deutschmarks ready, set, go, this lime is going to punt all his nickels and it's because you know James Hunt ran out of money really they 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 nearly mm. lost out because you know yeah. and then he's got nothing on your run well you know it's the whole rivalry between the two yeah. and they actually became good friends I think in the end mm. or, or they definitely respected each other yeah. after yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah so that was that was fun to do the two and to do the head to head and I and I wonder if anyone got it. If you got it, please send it in and tell me you got it. And even if you haven't got it, just send it in and say that you have, so I can feel like someone gets these clues. <laughs> just lie, darling. I don't care. It doesn't matter. And if you um, get the answer, or if you think you have the answer right, either email in to nogarnish at fastmail.fm or come to our new, not so new, Instagram page called No Garnish Pod and please sign up. Send a message in. Awesome. Okay, we're at the end of the episode. Oh, time to roll the dice. Time to roll the dice. Oh, it is number 12. 
Okay, number 12 on my list. It's not a cocktail. <gasps> it's Cocktail the Movie. Oh, are we going to watch Cocktail the Movie? For our next episode, we're going to watch oh, Cocktail the Movie. I love it. I love it. I thought I'd throw that in there. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Thank you, man. Thank oh. you. square mile of this saloon lies the greatest concentration of wealth in the world. Yes. But how was a bartender gonna get his hands on any of it? This is the big time. Are you ready for the big time young Mr. Flanagan? I think I can handle it. This isn't what I ordered! Angel Get your act together! A white wine! All right! Now what was it that you ordered? A martini! What's in that? In many ways to fool a customer. You will learn them all. Yes, Obi-Wan. You get the women, you get the bucks. And you can see the color of their panties, and you know you've got talent. Stick with me, son, I'll make you a star. I want you guys working for me. This is a real opportunity. Jet set bartenders, eh? The Caribbean Jamaica man. Can I buy a drink? My rum specialties, perhaps? Bartender with the line for everything. The bartender. Now, he's about to be swept off his feet. By the one thing he didn't expect. Paint stripped and sloppy bottomed. <laughs> Banana Hammock Central, I love it. So a bit creepy. Shh.